Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And today we're talking about perfection, aren't we? Perfection, indeed, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk it kind of in relation to um, cult slash religion um sort of terminology of perfection and what that means um i guess growing up with that or just when you enter that realm of of what perfection means um you know imperfect man and also strive for perfection the kingdom smile carrying on that conversation a bit i suppose um Mm. and also yeah we're gonna yeah broaden it out a little bit talk about mental health leaving where that leaves you um yeah and just sort of Mm. you know some secular perfection <laughs> we'll chase cool. it from there so where do you want to start then do you want to kick it off yeah well i think we should start with the yeah what is perfection in regards to yeah. the culty religiousy aspect because it's a word that is used in a lot of yeah sort of it's kind of it's one of those sort of... absolutely it's kind of one of that loaded language i would suggest really and uh, that we talk about so much um so yeah, I mean, the, if you look at the dictionary definition, it's um, it's something that is excellent, correct, or flawless. Mm. So those three three things are not really the same either, are they? Um, I think from a, for a Jehovah's Witness, the way that I was taught, or a very religious person, um, we would think that perfection in terms of the way that we interpreted the Bible was that it was missing the mark or missing the standard that God has set. So so were we it, like perfect before the sin and now we're in Exactly, the yeah. We we would it didn't doesn't mean that you couldn't make mistakes or you couldn't do something wrong, but it means that it would be natural for you to always reach the standard that God says or sets for anything. So if God said, you know, you should oh, I don't know, um chop a tree this way, then that's the way you damn well chop a tree you know Mm. and it would it would go through everything so in itself that's quite a you know already that's a very kind of controlling way of thinking about it you know god essentially has the right to determine everything about behavior about human beings what they think what they do Um, and because of adam's sin because adam although perfect made a conscious decision to sin and eve of course sin against god to eat of the fruit from which they were told they must not eat that was a deliberate act of rebelling against god which meant that they sinned so for them it was difficult to sin it was um, their natural inclination would have been to essentially do what god told them to do and to reach that mark to reach that standard they made a conscious choice to do the opposite of that and then from that was um, we inherited because according to the Bible we all come from Adam and Eve. We've inherited that tendency um, that they adopted um, of sinfulness. So this is the idea of fallen man, the fall of man. It's sin. inheritance of sin. I mean, if you actually think about that from a logical, biological genetic any any scientific standpoint you care to mention i mean it makes no sense mm. how how is sin being passed genetically it, which is the claim of uh, fundamentalist christians is that sin is passed on mm. somehow through the genes um so how does eating of a fruit um somehow change your genetic structure 
to then pass that on to your children. I mean, it makes mm. no sense whatsoever. And yeah, of course, we um, we just accepted it. Because I used to sort of take it as like, oh yeah, it's it's like God changed the the structure of humans or something because or did everything just crumble so because they ate the fruit you can now get sick and die yeah it was um that the way we were taught was it wasn't um it wasn't necessarily that god was actually making it happen it was a direct result of this moving away from god's protection if you like and god's direction Mm. is that we now um age had lost yeah we'll now age we'll get sick um i mean forget for a moment you know all the animals in the animal kingdom also do that and yet um nobody claims that there was also um, a garden parts. for the animals mm. you know that all each of the different animal species were mm. being faced with their own test to see whether they would stay perfect so mm. no that it's always been accepted that animals will die from the things that then humans die from pretty much um and yet somehow humans have inherited this imperfection again there is no real explanation and no even attempt at an explanation as to what is actually going on so as well why would god give you free will just to tell you you better not do you know i mean i just well i mean that's a that's probably the subject of another podcast. I would suggest that mm. is um, another problem with the whole um, Garden of Eden scenario. Just really, what we call it? Why is God such a so horrible? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's 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 meant to be a test and an opportunity for man to demonstrate their thanks and. Um, you know, commitment to God. All he asks is this one little thing: just don't eat of this fruit. Um, you know, and uh, and everything's going to be okay. But if you do eat of the fruit, then you'll die. Mm-hmm. He actually says, from the very day of your eating from it, or on the very day of your eating from it, you will die. Um, that then gets changed, or the interpretation of get that gets changed to kind of you begin to die. And in mm. fact, Adam, according to the Bible, lived many hundreds of years after um, mm. he he ate the fruit. So he was, I forget the age, but he was hundreds of years old, mm. um, as was Eve, um, and before they died. Um, but it's interpreted that, you know, they essentially, the, the illustration I always remember in one of the publications was of a fan with that's plugged into the wall. The fan's going, and then when you pull the plug out, the fan carries on going for a while. And that's kind of what happened to us. We we carried on going for a while. And slowly uh, ultimately became we and rubbish. Would die. <laughs> kind of. I mean it it doesn't it doesn't really bear much scrutiny, of course. And this is one of the things that I really wish um that current uh, religious people would actually, you know, ask questions about and, and yeah, what how does that work then? You know, tell me, mm. uh, explain to me how it is that eating of a fruit then um generate some sort of genetic defect that means we die and we get sick just by the way like the other animals who haven't been through that same test so how does that work you know mm. i would love religious people to have a bit of in- inquisitiveness to start asking those questions you know um and i think that if you can't answer that then you're left with the bible at least that part of the Bible being um, an allegory and an attempt to try and understand difficult questions like, you know, why do we die and, and mm. um, what is free will about? And so I, I admire the, um, the 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 things it addresses, but to imagine that actually happened mm. the way that it's described, you'd need to come up with some explanations about how the hell that was that was working, you know, um, which is one of the things that bothered me all the way through my uh, growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, it just didn't sound right. It just sounded ridiculous, and we haven't even got on to talking snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where perfection was lost. So this is the the fall of man, mm-hmm. um, which means that we are all imperfect in the eyes of God. We all sin. So not only does it have consequences in terms that we we get sick and we die, but it also means that we do things wrong. We sin against God. We can't, we can't hold to God's standards. So we are all essentially guilty of mm-hmm. sinning, and the wages that sin pays, 
according to the Bible, is what the way that death. We pay, yeah, yeah, death. So the wages that sin pays is death, and therefore we all deserve to die. And mm. then we get to Jesus' ransom sacrifice, which is supposed to uh, pay for that sin that we've mm. all sinned or that we've all um, committed. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore that's what we that's what we need Jesus for so really the whole of the way that Christians and particularly fundamentalist Christians such as Jehovah's Witnesses and others see the Bible is this is this question around perfection and imperfection linked to sin so it's a really important question um, for Christians and then those people who leave uh, Christian churches or groups because they're faced with this concept of, you know, perfection. What is perfection? Am I imperfect? Um, do I need the ransom sacrifice? And so on. It's it's all kind of wrapped up with that. So we wanted to talk about that. So that's kind of like the backstory. And then mm. um, I guess what does that mean on a day-to-day? There's like a, in like a more high control environment of life. Like, are you... So you're always trying to be perfect as a, a good witness because you want people to join, but you're always being told that you're like imperfect and the product of sin. <laughs> it's quite, yeah, it's quite a, um, I mean, we talk about cognitive dissonance and that mm. in itself is a, is a kind of uh, cognitively dissonant concept. Um, so on the one hand, you're told that there is no way that you can achieve perfection. So, you know, don't think that you can you can um, buy good works or buy um, you know not not doing the wrong thing. Don't ever think that you can get through life without sinning because that's just not possible. In fact, we sin all the time. It's just in our nature, and that's why we need the ransom sacrifice. So, on the one mm-hmm. hand, you're told that that you'll never reach perfection through your own efforts, um, only through the ransom sacrifice pays the debt, if you like, the fact that we've sinned, we should die. Jesus pays for that. And then the magic happens later when God brings everything back to perfection. We don't know how that's done. That's not, again, that's not explained what that but, means. So at some point um, he'll just turn off his horrible magic spell and everyone will live again. <laughs> well, whatever it was that happened in the Garden of Eden, I guess he reverses it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's when humans live forever. Again, no no thought about animals living forever. They'll carry on dying of cancers and um, mm. old age and, you know, broken legs and stuff. That'll happen to them. But but humans, for some reason, um, will live forever. So God's that's, particular favourite will be forever. Yeah, so, so going back to our cognitively dissonant thing, you know, we have this situation where we're told, no, you can't achieve perfection in this life because... Uh, you are imperfect. You are genetically pre-programmed to be such. But on the other hand, you're constantly told about avoiding this sin, avoiding that sin, and this sin is wrong, and this thing is wrong, this other thing is wrong, and you must do this and this and this and more of this and this and this and this and more of this and this and this and this. So you feel like you're striving for what um, we, you wouldn't call it perfection, but you're striving for uh, better and better and better and more faithful all the time and it might as well be striving for per- perfection but of course you know you'll never reach it so it's it's a bit like the you know the stick on the donkey um, with the carrot at the end of it that the closer it gets the more it moves away you know there's no there's no way you will ever get that reward through your own efforts but you've got to continue trying so you are doomed to fail Mm. Um, which I think, you know, we'll talk about the psychology of it later, but it's bound to have, I think, or it's likely to have at least some consequences uh, about how we feel about ourselves and, um, yeah, how we live our lives. Do you think that has an impact on why you were like quite, I guess, like nervous as a child in the sense of like blood guilt and things like that? Because you just think like, oh, it's inherently going to happen. So I know not all witnesses do, but you were like quite worried about doing the wrong thing or thinking the wrong thing or not saving people or whatever do you think that's because yeah. you've been told you will do that but you should feel bad about it or obviously it's hard to um it's hard to attribute specific things um mm. to specific instances but i yeah i mean it i think um you know you do have a very 
um, keen sense of right and wrong when you're a witness. You are brought up to be very good at spotting what is considered to be naughty and, and good. Um, and then you have this added, um, which I think I've spoken about before, but you have this added concept, which I, which used to bother me, of sinning against the Holy Spirit, mm. um, which was always very vague, really, in, in what it meant. But Because actually, Jehovah's Witnesses' concept of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what it's like in other churches, in other religions, but it's incredibly vague. Um, mm. what, what actually is it? You know, nobody really... Um, is a again you know what what is it is it a force is it a you know what, what and, and it's it's described as the by jw's as the force through which god um, achieves his aims so it might as well be called magic really that is kind of what it feels like um, but sitting against the holy spirit means if god is using his holy spirit to get his work done let's say he's you know helping to or through his Holy Spirit, he's making lots of disciples and lots of people are becoming Jehovah's Witnesses and so on. If you as an individual were to do something that actively went against that, then you would be sinning against the Holy Spirit. And that's unforgivable. So whereas other sins, you can rely on Jesus' ransom, you can't rely on Jesus' sacrifice if you're sinning against the Holy Spirit. Now, for a child that's a bit paranoid and neurotic, um, Straight away, you start looking for things. Oh, how might I do that accidentally? You know, how might I have sinned against the Holy Spirit? One of the things that is included in that is if you keep on sinning when you know that something is wrong. Mm. So if you continue with a course of sin that you know is wrong, um, but you keep doing it anyway. Now, you know, who doesn't? do things that perhaps are not supposed to over and over again no, people do that's the nature of behavior i suppose so again as a child you know oh, i shouldn't really do that but i did it again you know i watched that program and i know i shouldn't have done but i did it i did it again and i thought about that thing that i shouldn't think about and i did it again and again and again and it's just like a a vicious circle of, of fear because that type of sin is is unforgivable. So I think those areas are particularly damaging. It certainly was to me. It gave me that knot in the stomach that I've talked about so often, that feeling of, um, yeah, you know, I, I maybe, I've, maybe I have actually sinned against the Holy Spirit. There's nothing I can do now. Um, I'm going to die at Armageddon and, um, and that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very frightening. And um, to me, it was the sort of messages I would get at the meetings. Um, and I was, a, I was very sensitively applying it to my own little life as a child. You know, I wasn't doing anything terrible. It wasn't like I was, you know, robbing the shops or anything. You know, I was just perhaps thinking something I shouldn't or watching something on TV that was supposed to be bad. Um, so yeah so the idea of perfection is is difficult for a child and indeed you know for an adult to understand no you're not expected to be perfect but on the other hand you kind of are you know and that's Mm -hmm. um that's a very dissonant place to be yeah i mean you were looking into doing some reading weren't you some psychology reading well i guess the mental health side of perfection i mean was that was that religious specific? Was that just perfection striving? No. So I think one of the things that obviously we like to, to focus on, on, on what should I think about is when you leave an organization that's very controlling and, and actually we probably should make the point that this um, constantly telling you that you're no good, that you keep sinning, that you are in need of, of redemption. And so this is a, a pattern of behavior that cults do use high control groups use it as a way to leverage that control mm. so if you can convince yeah, if you somebody leave, you then you've not got the redemption arc anymore exactly yeah so it's a way to keep people in it you know and uh, to keep people in it through fear so it's not it's certainly not um restricted to to jehovah's witnesses or christians really it's it's a way that religion and other high control systems work yeah. to keep you within that that whole world view well it'll make you feel better in one instance because you're like oh well when i do things wrong it's not my fault it's because of 
you know the sins of those people in the past yeah. and it's just affecting me but then mm-hmm. on the other side yeah you don't a again agency is again removed so yeah you know what i mean like anything you do wrong you can be like well um sin <laughs> can't help it well what it, it and it, it essentially it puts you in the hands of um, I mean, for Christians, it's in the hands of the people that represent or or say they represent Jesus or God. So, you know, if you say, well, the ransom is what I'm relying on, but the church that you go to says, well, if you're going to rely on this ransom, you, you can only really do that effectively if you're part of this organization. So some churches, some more, I would say, liberal, enlightened churches sort of say, well, you know, Jesus died for us all. And effectively, that's all you need to do, you know, have mm. faith in Jesus. Now, I would say that's all a bit vacuous, personally, mm. but that's as much as you need to do. Just declare that you love Jesus and um, and that makes you feel good and you're happy. Great. You know, so in that respect, that sounds like a pretty good deal. But for high control groups, they're using this, leveraging this idea of sin and saying, if you want to benefit from the ransom sacrifice, you need to stay in this organization because that's the only way that you're going to get it. So it, it is um, it is a way of controlling you. Um, so going back to the point, we, we like to talk about how you make sense of the world when you leave. So I suppose that's, that's a, a specific area that, ex-members of high control groups who have leveraged that have to come to terms with and sort of understand how they think about perfection how they think about sin Um, but unfortunately added to that is a modern phenomenon which um, and perhaps you can talk a bit more about this but the world as it stands is also obsessed (laughs) with perfection Mm -hmm. Um, they're not talking about a ransom sacrifice but they are talking about the possibility of achieving it or at least that seems to be the message it's an and idea so, that it's that it is attainable i think yeah that's the difference maybe with secular mm. is that instead of like that like oh it's unattainable because of god well this one is like oh it is attainable you've just got to work hard enough or want it hard enough or graft hard enough yeah mm. yeah and and um you know so, so in in theory, you can come out of a high control group where you kind of felt that whilst you couldn't achieve perfection, you would need to strive more and more and more to do more and more and more um, to demonstrate that you did value the ransom sacrifice and that you wanted to be part of this group that had the the key to benefit from this ransom. Then you come out of that and you go into a world that says you need to strive for perfection. Yeah, um, and it sounds a lot like what you've been in already, really. Mm-hmm. Although the whole, you know, theolo- theology is different, or the philosophy is different. It, it's you're very familiar with this idea of striving to do better and better, more and more and more. Um, and you're and you might be looking for somewhere to transfer that energy. Exactly, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're now, yeah, you're you're almost primed to get into something else you know whatever that might be and I think I felt that definitely and it took me a long time to just realize that I was kind of um yeah search for so I would call it excellence so I wanted to be excellent um at everything I did you know and um and that that's of course no one can achieve the level of excellence that I guess you feel is is required so you yeah so there is a psychological issue which we want to talk about a bit later but I know you've got some thoughts about the secular world and and perfection and how how we kind of view it yeah I think interestingly this is one that's kind of coalescing a bunch of recent podcasts and um yeah we just we've discussed Instagram culture and Mm, you know your little you know square image that just shows that perfect Mm. thing in your perfect life and it's just it's not just instagram it's like social media you know we only highlight the best bits do you know what i mean so everybody's life is like um an example of excellence when you look Mm. at it on social media Mm. because they don't show you when they're like crying on the floor because 
they're worried about getting enough work or because like their child has had like the ten tantrums they have today and they just can't anymore. Do you know what I mean? They don't mm. put that on social media. You just see pictures of, you know, happy, smiling children and when they get the promotion, you don't hear mm. about the fact that they, you know, took out a bigger mortgage because they got a promotion and now they're struggling. You know what I mm. mean? So Absolutely. everybody is striving for excellence and perfection, it feels like in their lives like they want you know we all want to be if, if, if you have aspirations for marriage and kids and stuff you want to do that in the allotted time that you're meant to mm. do that in so you're like okay in my 20s we'll get married we'll buy a house and we'll have kids and then um you know by the time i'm 40 i'm going to be this manager of this thing do you know what i mean and it's mm. you know there's certain it, it, even though yeah being secular means you can have completely different beliefs and different lives there are a lot of touchstones that everybody is marching towards even though you're like yeah not all living in a um cult society together (laughs) the what should i think about podcast has been going now since around november 2020 and we've really enjoyed doing it We release at least two shows a week, it's about eight a month of course, with Sunday being an interview and Wednesday being our discussion about a new subject each week. We love you our listeners and we really value the interaction we have with you and we want to keep the podcast going. Currently I pretty much work on the podcast full time, researching topics, booking guests, recording and editing, with Celine working part time doing very much the same things. So in order for us to keep going and continue to improve, we've reached that point in the life of a podcast where we have to make some decisions about how we support it financially. Most podcasts have ads, either that are delivered by the podcast hosts or from third parties that interrupt the show. We really don't want to do that. We want to keep the What Should I Think About podcast ad-free. So we're going to try something different to most podcasts. We'd like to ask you if you think this podcast is worth a pound or a dollar fifty or a euro twenty a month or whatever the equivalent is in your own currency. If you think it's worth that, we'd like to invite you to become a member or a patron for just that. So how we're doing it is we're flattening out our tiers on Patreon to just our single lowest tier. For those patrons, not only will you get the two public podcasts a week, but you'll also get exclusive video each month, bonus content of at least one a month and probably more, and exclusive access to the What Should I Think About Facebook private group, where you can contribute to our Ask Us Anything episodes coming up soon and talk about the show. We've got other plans too that will make your pound or $1.50 even better value. We can't say too much about that yet. We really want to make access to this community possible to everyone. And we think this minimal amount will do that while providing the show with a small income in order for us to keep going. So the next few weeks, we'll be flattening out our tiers on Patreon and providing all benefits through the lowest tier currently known as loss aversion for just a pound or its equivalent in your own currency. So please consider being part of our community. Thank you. The link to our Patreon page can be found in the show notes. Yeah, so there's, um, I guess, you know, if you think about the world, uh, the society, there's culture. So we don't live in a cult, but we do live in a culture. And that culture is... um, it does encourage certain standards and those standards in many respects are arbitrary. You know, if you look at the standards of beauty, mm-hmm. um, you know, one decade it's wafer thin models. The next and it's, it's women it's with like really big, big butts, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, what, what, who decides? Well, it's, you know, it's culture and maybe there are, wealthy individuals who direct some of this stuff to their own ends at fashion industries and stuff but ultimately it's it's a it's an arbitrary set of rules that that society decides and yeah again like with them 
who says you need a big house? You know, is that what is that what you need? Do you do you need to have children? Is that is that what you mm-hmm. need? You know, and these are the these are things that often we we come under pressure to think we need in order to demonstrate that we have achieved something and we are a success. And so we measure success with how closely we align to the the standards um, of society. So for for a Christian, it's the, you know, God's standards are determined by God and that's what determines perfection in the, in society. It's, it's the standards that are decided by culture and um, and then we try to measure up to those. So in, in in many respects, it's the same dynamic. It's just that it comes from a different source. Although, of course, I would argue that uh, religious culture is essentially man-made too. But um, mm-hmm. that's for another time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, things like um, yeah, the, the the house you live in, the area you live in within the city, or um, yeah, the uh, that the car you drive the holiday you go on, how often you go on holiday. Um, yeah, your kids, you know, going to university, having a good job, having a partner. All of these things are seen as measures of success. Yeah. And I guess there's a link. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and, you know, you might as well call it perfection really. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's, that's what people are aiming for. Hence all the, yeah, so um, things like Instagram and so on becomes a a way to perform that that perfection that you wish you had, and you might be able to to fool people that you do have. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, it's um, you know, I think we've talked about as like a culture before we start talking about it more in in sort of specifics but we need to maybe discuss it as more of like a general issue that's affecting everyone because we talked about it in terms of like when um it was like the have it all woman where it's like you know you have you're going to have kids but you're also going to work full time and get the best job and be the, the you know the team manager or the senior yeah person on the team and yeah somehow you're still gonna do all of you know you, it's like and I still do all the cooking and I do this and I do that and it's like yeah, burnout is a conversation that we've been having a lot more as a society mm. as well, isn't it? Because, you know, it's when you do so much that even the things you enjoy become chores and it, it's just literally down to how much effort you're putting in versus how much enjoyment you're getting out. And even if it's something you enjoy, if you're not getting enough enjoyment back out of it and you're putting in yeah. more, you burn mm. out. Um, so, and, yeah, and that think... must come from a society of perfection strivers. Absolutely. Um, and I guess you, you're describing there um, trying to have it all, I suppose, really. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to be perfect on every metric. I mm-hmm. guess um, that that is true uh, for some people. And, and you've spoken about the pressures on you as a, as a woman to, you know, have your kids and have your career and um, all of that. But I think there's also another risk, which is that you you do funnel your activity into one area which you say well yeah i can't do everything i can't um be be excellent at everything so i'm going to sink all my efforts into this one thing Mm -hmm. and so that could be you know becoming a sports person or becoming an entertainer or you know something else that's got high levels of credibility in in society um but what that means is necessarily you're going to have to jettison some other things. So, you know, a woman might think, well, I, I can't, I can't have it all. So I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to sacrifice having kids because I want to focus on my career. Um, and that, that's a decision that she makes then. But then later in life, she thinks, well, did I, you know, was that the right choice? Yeah, so do one thing yeah. in such, you know, ultimate perfection when I could have just done you know other things as well as but not so like funneled yeah so so it can be a um, striving for I mean if you look at something like an elite athlete pretty much they put the whole of their life on hold just to be able to achieve that gold medal um Mm. you know at the Olympics or something a good example of that is um oh she 
just forgotten her name. It was, but um, she, for mental health reasons, stopped competing in the recent Olympics on the USA team. Tennis player. No, the gymnast. Oh, oh um, Simone. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. She, um, you know, decided to not compete mm. in the final because she because of mental health reasons and like, you know, people. That were defending her, or obviously, if you're me- mentally not with it, you can't be springing off boards and like not mm. being mentally that. Like you need to be mentally sharp. Um, but yeah, she was getting a lot of um, I can't grief. grief. I was going to say jip, but I was like, we've got a lot of American listeners, and I don't know if that's transferable. <laughs> um, she was getting a lot of grief. Um, yeah, for you know, prioritizing something over the Olympics, and it was mm. just like. You know, it's just we, we, that's where we are at the moment, apparently. Yeah, there's the tennis player as well. I can't remember her name now, but um, that, that I think she uh, and we have to be careful because I don't, I don't know for sure whether it was mental health issues on both mm-hmm. of those situations. But yeah, I think um, it, there is a there is a certain cohort of people that say, "Oh, you know, spoilt spoilt people. You know, they've got everything." Blah blah blah. But it's forgotten what what people will give up for Mm. all that um so yeah i mean you know obviously these are individual cases but i think what they do demonstrate is how much you have to sacrifice in order to go down a single track Mm. um and yeah there might be a big payoff at the end of it but for most if we're honest you know for every simone biles or um you know fantastic tennis player there are probably hundreds who have also sacrificed a lot in order to reach those levels and just haven't been able to for whatever reason so i suppose mm-hmm. that's the other side of uh, perfectionism is is the inability to reach it yeah i mean maybe to be say for instance i'm i've been like i'm i would be happy making like just like the odd indie film forever and just like having some people see it and enjoy it and then you know because i enjoy making it i don't need yeah. it to be like huge blockbusters and working on massive films mm. and be like oh, i'm a success now because other people told me so like i would mm. feel successful if i was enjoying what i was doing and having a day job but you know making creative stuff like the podcast and yeah, yeah getting to make films periodically and being like yeah i feel that's success for me um i guess in order to become like the big blockbuster people you have to maybe be maybe you have to be a perfectionist um but you have to be willing to <laughs> like like you said you 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 might not enjoy it you might get to the goal but did you enjoy yeah. it you know and exactly decide what's you worth know, it for you you know i'm reading um stories of autobiographies about cyclists for instance you know elite cyclists uh, forget for a moment some of the things that they've done to get to that stage you know if you said you enjoy riding your bike the answer would be no mm. you know that how, how can they enjoy it? It's it's a it's a tortuous it's job that they have to do, and you know mm. they don't they can't look around and enjoy the countryside. So they're cycling through France, beautiful um, countryside, and fantastic chateaus and mm-hmm. vineyards. And we, as uh, people watching the the tour, can can observe all that, but they can't. They're not enjoying it. They're they're going through torture. They're just blasting through. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, in some respects, you yeah you lose the joy of those things just to achieve whatever you know whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So, yeah, I I I think that's something as I've got older. So when I first left uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses organization, I think I decided that in order to um, kind of find some purpose and meaning in life, I had to focus on. For me, it was career. So that's what I. I really did, and um, and there were times when, either because of just my own lacks or my own, you know, nobody can do everything brilliantly, um, or because of disadvantages I felt I had because of being an ex-witness, um, I wasn't able to reach the levels of excellence that I wanted to. I wasn't able to get done what I wanted to get done. I wasn't able to influence like I hoped to be able to. And those were periods of great darkness for me mentally. Um, and um, Such pressure. And... 
Yeah, so I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve. Um, and I do feel that there was an element there of, of trying to find purpose and meaning, and that was through achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, setting high standards, unreasonably high standards, really, for myself. And it made me very unhappy. So periods of my periods of mental uh, difficulty, I think, were definitely related to these feeling like I wanted to achieve. I wanted to show that I was somebody. I wanted to show that I could achieve something. And almost to be able to, you know, I don't know, um, do some sort of gesture to my whole life and all those people that, um, yeah, tried to hold me down. Um, and it's not that's, that wasn't healthy for me. That wasn't healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I feel like I've got to a different place now, but I think there is a danger. There is a danger in that. Yeah. I think we need, we need a different strive, a strive for enjoyment. Yeah. We yeah. need to strive to enjoy the lives that we're living, you know? Absolutely. Like yeah. where you're free, you know, you leave, you leave this hiking hill group, you're free to enjoy your life. You don't have to seek some sort of perfect you that that was lost before like just enjoy it you know yeah absolutely and um yeah i know it's uh it's a bit of a kind of cliche but um but yeah you do you do think about the the amount of uh effort to just earn that extra little bit you know to have that slightly bigger house you know if i for me to have a house that's like i don't know a third bigger in a slightly nicer place, I would have to do so much more um, and dedicate so much more than I do. And that's kind of a realization I had some time ago. I was always thinking, oh, just like a nicer house, like a bigger house, a a house um, in a village somewhere. That's really what I want. And it is still a bit of a dream, but am I willing to put in to get that, the, the work and sacrifice um, and the answer now is no. Mm-hmm. That's not doesn't mean I'm, I don't have any ambition. I definitely do, but it's, it's not, not going to define. Either. It's just deciding Absolutely. enjoyment. Deciding it's not define to, me. Yeah, enjoy things and have a good mm. time and have hobbies. You know, yeah. people have day jobs that they do just to earn a living. You know, and it was like exactly. this thing of like everyone should have a job that they love. It's like a lot of people don't have jobs they love. A lot of people have jobs that they're fine with, and or even dislike. But they but it allows them to do other things. Like it provides enough money to, I don't know, have the dream family you um, situation you always wanted, or it allows you to, um, you know, it's just it's just um, you know part time, but it allows you to do some freelance graphic design on the side. That it wouldn't be enough to support you but you enjoy doing that it doesn't earn that much but it's fun you know jobs don't yeah don't have to be the ideal i think because obviously i went to uni and everyone's like so what are you going to do now with your degree what office job are you going to get and i was like i don't want one i enjoy what i do um working in service i enjoy it and yeah it i i get i go to work and i'm happy to go to work and to me that mm. is a success Rather Absolutely. Than I could be earning a lot more, but I really just the idea of it, I'm like, oh no, I don't wanna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a that's a nice place to be really when, when you're at, at the mid twenties to, to sort of identify that I think mm-hmm. is, is good. Um is it worth um getting into the psychology of yeah. perfectionism now? Mm-hmm. Um so there's a couple of interesting well there's an interesting article there's a vox article about this which we'll put the link on which i think is quite good and it nicely it links a couple of meta um, analyses um for various studies so there's um basically meta analysis is when they take a lot of studies and they um bring them together and look at the data from all of those so they're generally considered to be really good papers because they they are taking you know big samples if you like from all these smaller samples um and yeah there's there's some i think there's some concern that perfectionism is uh you know is not really good for us in fact there is 
a correlation between perfectionism and mental health issues. Um, so unsurprisingly, I suppose, it creates feelings of anxiety in us. Yeah, the article, the Vox article is actually called Perfection is Killing Us, which is a great title. Um, and it starts with a case of a, of a, of a woman getting an A- minus on her report and being devastated because she's got an A-, minus, not an A mm-hmm. or an A+. Plus. Um, and that's kind of where it starts. So there's this feeling that you know, we need to achieve. I thought one of the really interesting things as a dad... Um, I noticed that um, some of the, the people talking about this would say things like, you know, my parents would only give me attention if I was doing something they would be proud of, like scoring yeah. a goal in soccer or, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting that A plus or mm-hmm. achieving that grade or getting to university or yeah. whatever it was. And that's when they'd get all the positive vibes from the parents and the yeah. attention, yeah. Um, and so that obviously can easily create a feeling yeah. in us that you know we need to be perfect because that's the well, way yeah. we get love well I've seen a thing actually a lot of different people on TikTok because that's where you know it is the Gen Z young zeitgeist pe- you young yeah. people hanging out on TikTok reels baby <laughs> but yeah um, so there's like a one at the minute where it's like um, sitting there like just chilling and then your parent or like cardian or whatever coming in and being like what are you doing you've been lazy and then it's like anytime now i hear footsteps i like get up and try and look busy so like i'll like start just hoovering like tidying something up because yeah as a as a kid even if you'd been at school all day or if you had like a part it didn't matter if you looked like you're being lazy you'd be told why are you being lazy so like as an adult you're you you have these responses now which is look busy <laughs> yeah 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 exactly mm-hmm. um so that's that's the kind of performative element of mm-hmm. uh, of perfectionism, I suppose. It's like you it's know, like you don't want to necessarily be perfect, but you feel like you have exactly. to be. So you're just like exactly. Oh, I'll just like look like I'm doing something. I'll like make the bed quickly. In <laughs> yes. view. I mean, mm. I think we all have that to a degree, and and in some respects, it's not always a bad thing to no, no, no. feel some pressure to, you know, get off your backside and do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all. You know, we all get that. From yeah, time to time. but yeah, I think um, if you feel like every time you're sitting down, you have the urge to go do something, maybe just like I'm chilling, and that's fine. Indeed, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, so I think there's um, th- there's some interesting stuff around there, and I, I, you know, going back to the parent situation, I suppose um, I, I I don't I I don't. Know, it's a bit of a dangerous question to ask, really, and it's probably not a good question to ask because. You know, you may well tell me an answer I want to hear, but I, mm. I feel like we tried not to do that with you. Mm. Um, well, you you know, so it's not like I got only special. Well, some people did that thing where like they got special rewards based on what scores they got, or they mm. were promised certain things. Like we got a dog because we got a dog. There was no reason. Yeah. Whereas some people, it wasn't linked it was like, to something that you were so, doing. Like, well yeah. done, you are success, have dog. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Whereas I know mm. a lot of people, rewards were based on how well you did. Um, like, oh, so I remember in year six in England, we do SATs, which then determines sort of how you go into your secondary education at high school. Yeah. Um, and bef- when I sat them, I got... Um, my first ever console we got a Wii <laughs> Nintendo oh, Wii yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was yeah. after I'd sat the exams it wasn't yeah. when I got the results back because right. it was regardless of what results I got I'd still worked hard and you were acknowledging right. that I'd worked hard and yeah. the reward was for the work it wasn't for the the result, like, the result. so it was like mm. whatever the result is that's fine because we know you've tried your best <laughs> Yeah. So that was nice. That's interesting. So in that in that respect there was a there mm-hmm. was a a pressure if you like we were putting some sort of pressure on you mm-hmm. to try to work mm-hmm. hard but we weren't to you know to get a specific result. Yeah. Um so yeah whether that's good or bad parenting I I, I don't have know, no I think idea. It was nice cuz you want your mm. kids to like try. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't like if you get like a's then you can have the console and if you are dumb you don't 
I mean, I feel like, you know, by by tying um, love and affection to to outcomes, to um, achievement, as opposed to things like effort and um, and what sort of person you are, I feel like that's breeding psychopaths. You know, mm-hmm. the child will do anything they can, won't they? They'll and they mm-hmm. may cheat or something in mm-hmm. order to uh, to get, get the that the thing they're mm-hmm. looking for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I suppose what what happens is parents become kind of little amateur psychologists. You know, they they recognise the mm-hmm. um, the idea of reward and uh, yeah. and punishment, and they use those kind of mm-hmm. um, behaviorist tools to try to to get the behavior they want i mean you know parents do that all the time with like behave yourself or you won't get some sweets or if you're mm-hmm. good i'll give you some reward you know we always try to avoid doing that really we, yeah well, we, we didn't do that grounding wasn't... really um, no no yeah, you didn't do grounding and you didn't do um like you're banned from the TV because we only no. have the TV anyway. So it would be like, what's so when you guys watch TV? Do I get sent to my room? Like, do you know what I mean? So it would just yeah. be a bit bizarre. We could have I, done that, but we, no, yeah, we, um, I think I took we never it more did personally that. when you were just like, you explained why you were unhappy with what I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there could be something to do with individual differences and, and yeah. just genetic makeup. So I think we've said this before. We um, we feel pretty lucky in that mm. you weren't a particularly difficult child. Um, it'd be nice to take the credit for that, but it could just be that um, we were just lucky, you know. Mm. Maybe the second one, if we'd have had a second one, there might have been a nightmare. <laughs> just evil, evil child. But no one will ever know. Mm. Um, yeah, so, um, so I think that's quite interesting. Um and it's uh, this idea that we 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 need to be striving perfect, per, for perfection isn't good for us. It is linked to depression. It, it is quite serious, really. Um, mm. And I think it, if it starts young, then obviously it becomes an in, ingrained yeah. Uh, well, maybe it's like as well because the things then when you're striving for perfection, say it's for a job, like you you've got to reach the top of your particular career. So it's in a shop, so you've got to become a store manager. But like, mm. say if there's nowhere in your local area to be a store manager, then you might end up commuting like an hour to, to two hours away just to get a job somewhere where you can be a store manager because that you have to reach that next mm, step in your career. Right. But then yeah. traveling really far, apparently, like commuting over an hour a day or up to an hour and over is bad for your mental health. Like people that commute a lot are mm. apparently it's linked to being more unhappy um presumably because you're just sitting in traffic a lot or like you know your day is much longer your time at home is much shorter so on but you wouldn't necessarily make these choices for yourself if you mm. weren't striving for perfection mm. yeah. Do you know what I mean? absolutely and and i don't suppose we're, we're not saying that you should never make sacrifices that's not what we're saying yeah, if you're willing think, to and you yeah, think if, it's going to make if, you happy yeah. if being a store yeah. manager is going to improve it but if the only reason you're doing it is because you think it's the right thing to do to climb that ladder, but if you, if you don't care for it, if you're not going to enjoy it, and you're just doing it so that your parents are impressed with you or society will mm. deem you a success, yeah. then, like, is it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, I think I think there's um, there's an area, I guess, to be careful of. We, we've covered quite a lot of ground there, actually. We've, um, we've covered... Mm some ground around um, what it's like to, the, or the concept of perfection within a, a highly religious or high control group. And then I think we, we identified that there might be a little bit of a risk when you leave that, that you kind of transfer that that s- striving for, if not perfection, doing more and more and more. And you might, you just transfer that to, uh, to something else. It could be work, it could be, um, well, yeah, whatever you're interested in. Um, and there's nothing wrong with sacrifice. There's nothing wrong with working hard to gain something, but it, it needs to be what you want to do as opposed to what you think, um, yeah, you should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's going to look good. <laughs> exactly. Is there anything that we've missed? I don't think so. I think we've kind of whacked it out, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe we can ask a question you can respond on Twitter if you at WhatSitter. Um, is is there an area in your life that you've noticed you strive for perfection or like 
have you noticed this need for perfection in your life um and we could talk about it in maybe next week's tweet of the week hmm. so yeah D- dm us or just at us on twitter and um, yeah and you can do hashtag uh perfection if you want and then we'll talk about that next tweet of the week yeah why not that's a good idea yeah i've yeah. been really interested in that one of the things that we do try to do i think on on uh, what's it is um is to try and find inspirational stories. So um, people that have left um, a group like Jehovah's Witnesses or, or other groups who then go on to achieve great things or happiness in various different fields, you know, I think there's something to be celebrated there. So again, we're not we're not trying to say that you should just have very low aspirations and just sit in a field somewhere being happy. Um, you know, it's great to see people doing something with their lives and and enjoying doing that and that's that's the we big key factor isn't it mm-hmm. we just want the joy exactly mm-hmm. yeah okay cool well i enjoyed nice. that conversation me too that was good is it time for yes <laughs> tweet of the week tweet of the week Tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week. Okay, so um, I've got Tweet of the Week this week, which, um, so if people direct message me, I, I don't assume that that's fair game for Tweet of the Week. Um, but I will from time to time ask if we can talk about it. So I've got one of those to come up. Um, but this one is just something that, that was responded to in the general feed. So if it's out there in Twitter land, in Twitterverse, then I, mm. I think it's okay to talk about. So this this one was uh, by a follower called JW Forward, who has a very interesting take on what we're doing and and how to influence i suppose jehovah's witnesses and uh, and so on um so i think initially the the comment um the comment was following our discussion about unorthodox jw forward said the more i learn about other closed religious groups the more i understand that helping people integrate with society is far more effective than trying to force institutional change or changes um, so I asked them to tell me a bit more about that. Uh, what did they mean? So I said, interesting thought, can you expand on this? Um, so they did. They they thought about it and then they came back with a, a thread of five tweets. Uh, should I read it? Is that? Do you think we've got enough time for me to do that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, so they said, genealogy, ge- geography, competition and survival throughout world history have created thousands of branches of hereditary religious traditions that act to preserve a culture and reduce or remove stresses in persons who can't process their often tragic circumstances. Members of these groups who function at a higher rate within their environment are placed in leadership roles. They mediate interactions with the outside world and enforce internal teachings, policies that are equated to the sole reason of past survival or future growth. This creates the sheep-shepherd dynamic. When you pressure groups to change policy by threats or publicly shaming them, shepherds respond by reinforcing barriers to increase the space between members and society. These barriers, shunning litigation against governments, etc., are then attributed to maintaining group continuance and preservation. In turn, the sheep feel protected from something they can't understand, process or resolve, and the whole lot go deeper into their own world connecting persons who wish to leave with professional assistance showing examples of success of successful societal integration healthy alternative structures and generally solving issues that created group adhesion will always be a superior means of resolution and conflation so it's quite a complex set of ideas there and um i think jw ford is one of our listeners so um Hi to you. I hope you don't mind me talking about this thread. Um, I think I'm going to reach out to JW Ford and if they're willing to come on the show to talk a little bit more about that. I I think it's interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you make of that, Celine. Yeah, it's very um, sort of complex. So it'd be good to talk about it in like a conversational way um, to to dig it dig it out a bit. Um, yeah, mm. I guess for me the the message that they're trying to get across is that um, a lot of the work that as activists people might do is to try and shame Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. and to force yeah. them to change policies and so on. Um, they're suggesting that that kind of drives this behavior even more so they dig their heels in even more and try to separate they become more um isolated because they they need to create this gap between the world and it um so there's a there's a i guess a hypothesis there that says that might actually be uh self-defeating i mean there are some i think it's important to perhaps talk about um some challenges to that idea and i'd like to uh to consider that i think you know obviously we try to do that that's what we try to do um, in terms of providing um ways of thinking about living afterwards um but i think my gut feel is there's still a need to challenge organizations because if you don't do that you're kind of giving them carte blanche Mm -hmm. to do pretty much anything they want and i so that's my big question, I suppose, is where, you know, at what point do we say, well, we just have to legislate or we have to pressure organisations to mm. do things differently? So I guess that's at the nub of the, the the debate, I suppose, that I'd like to have. But, mm. yeah, so there's, there's that. The other one I was going to mention was from one of our most wonderful... Uh, patrons and that's marianne or marianne Mm. i'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it um but she asked um she said i'm not sure if you've covered this topic yet but i've wondered as i'm sure others have how much of my likes dislikes personality has been shaped by being brought up in a high control group would i be much different if i'd had a more conventional upbringing if you've covered that topic already, I'll listen to that episode. Otherwise, would it be a topic worth an episode? So I had to think about that, and I went through our pack, back catalogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and episode 21 is the struggle for self after leaving a high-control group. And so I said, listen to that. Um, and, yeah, see what you think. And, I, and I, then I asked, would it be okay if we talked about it on Tweet of the Week? And she gave us the okay because this was a direct message so i thought i'd ask her first Mm -hmm. um but she thought that yeah that that did cover it quite well so if you're interested in that question we probably do need to talk more about it but if as a listener you're interested in that question um then episode 21 the struggle for self after leaving a high control group does talk about some of that stuff so i recommend that one to you okay well i guess that's the end of tweet of the week of the okay so um i guess that's the end of the episode really mm-hmm. i've i've enjoyed um talking so we've got a lot of stuff coming up so as we as we record this this is monday the 6th of september um I think this will come out fairly quickly because we got a bit behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're uh, we're actually recording, or I'm recording, um, seven or eight podcasts this week with various different uh, mm-hmm. people. Uh, we're interviewing quite a lot of people. That's because uh, Dad's going on holiday again because right. he just goes all over, apparently. <laughs> holiday setting lifestyle. Of the UK. Uh, yeah. Real, I think, is real on sea. Uh, is where we're going. Um, yeah, so it's it's um, it's just a few days away in a caravan, basically. Yeah, um, last time with the in-laws, so that'll be quite fun. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get quite a lot done uh, while we can. But we have got some absolutely fascinating guests coming up. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe or follow whatever Leave the thing is. 
remember please leave a review especially on the apple podcast that's one that um where you can it's the best sort of reviewing system it is yeah if you use that one um and of course um the patron uh the patreon offer is still there so just a pound um equivalent is about a dollar 50 or a euro 20 depending on the exchange rate but it's about you know it's a pound it's it's dead cheap to become a part mm-hmm. of the what should i think of community so um just for a quid you'll you'll get to see our little video that we do every month and other things that um, i am actually a bit behind on but i will get cracking on on that so um yeah just a pound to support the what should i think about podcast um i think is pretty good value for money so please become a, a patron we'd love to have yeah. you exactly so great all right well thank you very much celine thank you and uh, interesting conversation see you again bye bye what should i think about is an evil sheep production